Hi, I'm Kat. And I'm Emma. If you love the Dead Prank podcast, you can help support its future using the ACAST supporter feature. Now, it's up to you how much you give and there is no regular commitment. So if you can and you want to, please do hit the link in the show description to support now. Thank you. Thank you. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com acast and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com acast. Listening to the Dead Parental Podcast, a podcast designed to open up the conversation surrounding grief and to ensure young grievers feel less alone. I'm Catherine Hooker and I speak with young adults from all over the world whose lives have been impacted from losing a parent at a young age. The good, the bad, and the banter. When I feel happy about something and like really I get that feeling it's accompanied by a sadness of like and the two of them go hand in hand and like I don't hate that about my new life I just that's just something that's with me and that's just part of who I am and I, I sometimes worry that maybe my friends grieve the old me. Hey everybody, welcome to this week's episode of the Dead Prank Club podcast. Before I get into introducing this week's episode, I just want to say that I know that it's Mental Health Awareness Week this week and I just hope that this podcast brings you some comfort to know that whatever you're going through and whatever you're feeling right now, you're definitely not alone in those feelings. We've had so many people on this podcast who have coped with their grief in completely different ways, including myself. Um, I struggled immensely with my mental health. Just know that with work and with time it does get better and if you are struggling please do reach out for help. Now this week's episode is with a lovely lady called Emma Barstow. Emma's dad died around three years ago now. In this podcast you'll hear Emma tell her own story and about losing her dad had an impact on so many things in her life including her friendships and her identity especially after she became a parent very shortly after her dad passed away. I hope you guys enjoy this week's episode and please don't forget to like and rate and review the podcast on whatever channel you're listening on. I would really appreciate it as it helps us reach even more people. Thank you very much and have a lovely week. Um, first of all, Emma, thank you so much for volunteering to come on to the Dead Prank Club podcast to tell your story. Um, if you wouldn't mind introducing yourself to all of our listeners that they get to know kind of you and your background and why you're affiliated to the Dead Parent Club. Um, my name's Emma. I'm uh, 30 years old. I'm an art uh, consultant. I go around primary schools and work with teachers, um, helping, supporting them with art. 
lessons and planning and stuff um and yeah my dad died three years ago so what what was your dad called then and like tell, um, tell me his story <laughs> yeah um my dad's called bill um bill Bairstow. so i me and my sisters all three of us um were living in london at the time we kind of yeah we got a phone call and he'd been in hospital um and he'd not been well for thinking about it for a while and over Christmas, he, want, he wasn't 100%. He had, he'd been diagnosed, well, he'd been told he had IBS and he was sort of went into the doctors a few times and was given kind of peppermint oil and different things to help with his IBS. And um, and yeah, and I remember because um, I'd come home from London um, and I could tell he really wasn't well this, this one weekend and we went to my friend's exhibition. Yeah, he was struggling, like he wasn't eating very much and he had really bad stomachache and then... And then yeah, I went back down to London and we got a phone call to come home because he'd been he'd been in hospital. And basically, yeah, he was awake and things when we got there. Um, yeah, he sort of told us that he had cancer. He didn't say what stage it was or anything, he just said his actual words were, they found a tiny bit of cancer <laughs> in my bowel. Um and Aww, we were like, awesome. What? And you know, it's yeah, I know. And we were like, Oh, like, okay, so like you know like that feeling of absolute horror but then like he made it so okay um and was just like it's so fine I'm gonna have you having chemo and I don't need a stoma bag which people normally do when they have bowel cancer it's it's Mm. what they've done is they've put a stent in um so um which will like help things (laughs) um (laughs) anyway he he really sort of protected us from the truth of it which was that he had stage four like terminal cancer um and we had I had absolutely no idea um for ages and then went back down to London um with this like new sort of okay dad's like gonna be having chemotherapy like I was living with my friends at the top big group of friends at the time and uh, me and my partner had decided to move in together um and this was a couple of months two months after he'd been diagnosed and the night that we'd moved in to our flat in Lewisham in London um I got a phone call from my mum's best friend who had said that um we had to come home and he wasn't going to make it and I could hear my mum crying in the background um and it was just like I remember like, I literally remember like sinking to the floor and like it was about two o'clock in the morning yeah like falling to the floor and being like when you get told that news and you just don't know I just like it, what couldn't I couldn't like take it in at all I was just like really shocked obviously and then my mum my mum's friend um had said do you mind like calling your sisters um and getting them up you all need to come home now and I remember that feeling of like when we're not going to see dad again like alive we got there and he was in ICU in a coma. And basically what had happened is he'd, his stent had perforated through his bowel. So like everything from inside his bowel was like going around his body. Um, so they'd put him, they'd, they'd taken out his bowel, um, most of it, apart from a tiny bit. And they tried to clear out everything, but they, they said it was a total mess and that there wasn't a lot they could do. Aww. And when there like he had like all these tubes in and you know he was unconscious and we had like three days in ICU um Amy came um Amy came back and that the, when Amy got back he he woke up and they, they wow. brought him out yeah <laughs> they brought him out of this coma and um, oh what a trooper 
absolute trooper. He was back, you know, in the high intensity ward and he was being really sort of positive, although a little bit crazy because he was on loads of morphine and stuff. But then mm-hmm. before, we, before we knew it, we were, he was he was just at home, like recovering and like, you know, waiting to start chemotherapy again. But because of this huge operation he's had, that meant that mm-hmm. he couldn't start chemo for like a few months. Um, and that obviously was a really bad thing because... He'd, he had stage four terminal cancer. So when he finally did get back on chemo, nothing worked. Um, so came came to like the December time, um, and he'd he'd been really he'd been really good, like in terms of like he'd like built himself back up, and then it was like such a slow deterioration that like I don't know. I was still living in London and stuff, and we were coming up at weekends, but um, we had no idea like that we had to a little time, um, and he. he you know in the January me and Rory had decided to move home because of everything that was happening um and yeah it came to like the December time and it was he he wasn't well like I remember me and my sisters like realizing how bad it was when we went for a walk um near where we live um and my dad couldn't walk he had like he really struggled and he was getting really upset and then but he was a total trooper and he didn't like I remember once having a coffee with him and saying, you know, this was like in like the month before this walk, like, um, you know, do you want to talk about what's going on? And you know what? Like, it's not over till the fat lady sings. I'm not up for it. <laughs> um, and he didn't. And he and basically what happened was, you know, he him and my mum had were going to Paris in the February. They'd, they'd got it booked, like had all these plans. And then like, but he it was like kind of thinking about it now it was like total denial because he wasn't mm. and and wanting things to focus on but yeah he 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 died in January um and we had like that that week the week before he'd you know we we were all at home we didn't really go back home back down to London after Christmas um none of us but we still weren't really talking about what was going on. We were just doing nice, lots of nice things together. It was crazy because he'd obviously had this stoma bag on and he was so private. He was such a, my dad was such a proud man. Like he was, mm. um, like he'd been a head teacher and he was for years and he was like, he was just very proud, like um, sort of a bit of an alpha. And like he, he had mm. this stoma bag on and he wouldn't let my mum near it and he wouldn't let us, you know, obviously like he didn't, you know, and you'll know about, I mean, I'm guessing your mum yeah. had a stone about yeah. it's not, it's not a pleasant thing. And he, but he just kept yeah. it totally to himself. And I remember like he, I remember he'd said that he really wanted a Sunday dinner on the Sunday and me and my sisters cooked it and um, sort of tried to eat it and he couldn't. And he started crying and like went into the other room and we were like, he knows he could walk, but really he was really struggling. Like um, he was just quite weak. Um, and then I remember like getting into bed with my mum and dad and being like, so you can go to the doctor's dad? And he was like, yeah, I think I will. Like, um, <clears throat> we'll go tomorrow. And yeah, we, he went, we, we all went in the next day and um, into the hospital. And they, he, he was sort of, my dad was like, they're just going to give me some sort of booster, like, um, I don't know, steroid booster or something. And, yeah. and anyway, yeah, when, when, when they spoke to him, me and my the consultant came around and me and my sisters went downstairs um and yeah they basically said to him um your liver has completely no function um and it's completely stopped working and you've got days and I remember like just being like what the hell and like I remember my mum came down to get us and my dad was just being so strong and I remember him just looking like so relaxed and like 
it was really weird. Like it was like he'd been he'd known it for ages. Oh. Yeah, I don't know. Plowing on, I suppose, and then basically um, we had this kind of like amazing like experience because it was obviously really traumatic and like we were having to have these then conversations where's he going to die like where do you want to die dad and like it's totally mm. surreal and you go into that strange like adrenaline don't you like fight yeah. or flight and we were all just like fighting like being like crazy and my dad was just like this calm sort of force in the middle of it it was totally bizarre oh bless him I know um yeah and we ended up um we were told that there was no hospice beds um and that he would either have to die at home or in um in the hospital and we really didn't well, he didn't want we said he could come you know we obviously whatever he wanted and sort of imagined he'd want to come home but he didn't um oh, so bless him wow he I know he was just like you need to just keep that for you guys um I don't want to bring this part home and then that night like um, a hospice bed came available um, at the place where my grandma died his mum which was totally surreal um, and I'm not religious or anything but I'm quite spiritual and that it was just a it was a crazy thing like in this beautiful hospice near Haworth um, and yeah we were in there for a week with him um, and yeah it was just traumatic <laughs> but also yeah it was weird it's so surreal it's such a strange space to go into isn't it like I've listened to yeah a couple of your podcasts recently and um there was one where you were talking about um yeah dying at home and um and it's really it's it's a weird thing because like at the time when that was suggested I mean I would have been quite up for well, it's weird, isn't it? Up for it, whatever. Up for it, <laughs> yeah. But, but like, I obviously it was right. It was right for us. It been in the hospice. But then, after hearing some of your stories as well, I can see why that would be so. It, that would also be like really important for so many reasons. And now it's not as it's not as like the dying process isn't creepy. It's it's not it's not like you've got this like. I mean, I, I would have worried, you know, worried after my dad died. Well, if that had happened at home, I'd never be able to walk into that room again. But it's, yeah, you know, I've been back to Manorlands loads of times because I find it really comforting. Like I had my yeah. counselling after my dad died for about a year, like um, because I, I find a real comfort in going back there. And people that maybe haven't lost anyone wouldn't get that. And I think before my dad died, I would have thought the idea of, dad dying at home would have been really scary and would have changed how I feel about home but I don't think that's true at all yeah 100% I agree and I think all all of us would be guilty of thinking that it would be really creepy and weird wouldn't wouldn't it but it does it does have some sort of comforting aspect to it it's like it's like how people visit their um gravestones and stuff though isn't it you know yeah you find yeah, yeah. You'll, you'll find a place where you feel close to them in some sort of comfort and you kind of attach yourself to it yeah 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 I know like I've been trying to persuade my mum we've not spread my dad's ashes yet and they're under the chair that he always used to sit <laughs> in our mum's back, back room um in this very like posh looking box and it's so bizarre and I'm like in terms of like I get I totally get why she my mum isn't ready to like let go of them at all and that she's quite attached to like the physicality of that I'm just really I just really would love some I mean 
yeah thinking about it as I'm even saying it it's like what what does it even mean but like I would love somewhere to go and visit and plant some flowers and be like I'd love that ritual of spreading them I think because I just I, I feel like I'm always seeking a way of like my life is so hectic and I'm just always I'm desperate for a moment I'm desperate to like redo you know the funeral and, and be, it sounds so weird but like relive that part because like as time goes on it become you become further and further away and even though you can remember it so yeah. vividly it's like oh if that happened this time I'd say this and I'd, I wouldn't yeah you know do you know what I mean yeah my um my grandma my mum's mum actually slipped me a diazepam on the day of my mum's funeral um, really? <laughs> oh I didn't <laughs> I didn't actually know what it was I was just in the kitchen in the morning and she just she was like just take this I was like okay because <laughs> obviously she's my nan so I was like just yeah <laughs> Oh, it's so crazy the funeral process like I'd never like because obviously my, my grandparents died and I was close to my grandparents but because they were of like an age of it was different but like it yeah. felt different but like I don't know I remember just feeling like I was in a, a, like a head fog and I can't even I can barely remember the day like I can remember like the crematorium was like we did the crematorium first as well and like I remember being a real like like really you know like panicking when I saw the coffin and that feeling of like Mm. having a panic attack like I remember like seeing the coffin being pushed in front and being like the physicality of the fact that dad was in there was just so dark and so scary and then like we got to the we got to the um the funeral celebration of life and like we I felt like I was on a different planet. Like probably might have someone might have slipped me something to be honest. Because I was just, <laughs> I was just Maybe. like, yeah, I think it must have been before the funeral. It's so strange that whole time is like an absolute blur. Um, oh yeah, I had my birthday the day after my dad died, and um, oh, it was God. yeah my twenty seventh birthday, and my friends like two of my really close friends like um, they made like a cake and like we went we went round to a fam- our family friends and they were all there and I was I, I can barely remember it like you know when you're like like I remember not crying and like sitting around the table and being like what is going on like <laughs> we're having a birthday yeah. party but like my dad's dead but like also <laughs> like I I appreciated it so much that they were like that like, they were doing that but also like that's been a real struggle to be honest in the last few years of like not knowing how what you know it's my 30th this year and like um we did a fundraiser for Manorlands where my dad died um on my on my 30th um and I feel like that might be a way forward in terms of like yeah that's yeah that's nice like bringing them both together like it's a fun celebration but it's you know that must be really difficult having to share something that's usually like a day for you like you know it's all about me and kind of (laughs) like celebrating and you know having it so close to such a you know because those like death anniversaries are such poignant days like people count down to them like you literally count down the weeks and the days and it's so strange I know and like I think to be honest like for the first sort of two years I just didn't really acknowledge my birthday at all and like not in like a you know moody teen kind of way just like in like a I'm just like I just it just didn't you don't want to celebrate yeah it just didn't seem it doesn't compare like and and then I remember this year like my mum and her friend who do loads of like 
Sue Ryder Manorland fundraisers were like, um, this date has come up, Emma. Um, it's we're going to do a we're thinking of doing a karaoke night. These are the dates, and my birthday was in there. Um, what do you think? And I was like, please do it on my birthday because it's my thirtieth. I need a party. I need to embrace this birthday, but also like I need to embrace the fact that this is <laughs> this is also connected to my dad. And like, and it's and I have to and and it's a really lovely opportunity for me to. I spoke, I just like stood up and said a few words when I was absolutely hammered, to be honest, but like about my dad and like, it was really lovely because I've got a lot of new, new friends since moving back up here and since having Lyra and that don't really know anything about my dad. And like, it was really nice for me to be able to say like, you know, this has happened and this is so important and this is maybe why I am the way I am sometimes. And like, I didn't, you know, say it in those words, but I was just like, you know, told a bit of like a bit of the story of him really. And yeah, yeah he would have loved it. It was a karaoke night and he would have absolutely, he was a singer and he'd have absolutely loved it. Oh, mm. see, that's, that is lovely. <laughs> like knowing that obviously you had like all of your family and stuff, but <clears throat> I know that on the original email that you sent over to me when you first made contact, um, you've obviously found it really difficult being in your 20s and one losing your dad but two having a child which is you know Mm. massive it's such a huge thing so yeah yeah, talk to me more about that because I'm guessing that must have impacted like you've just said like your friendships and stuff you know moving back home having a baby like how has all of that impacted who you talk to with your grief yeah well I mean I I've always been like um I'm a bit of a whirlwind sometimes in the way that I my personality I'm I'm very like um go into things in a big way and I'm um you know I'm a busy a busy person um and I lived yeah like I said before I lived in London for a long time and I lived with a group a big group of girls and absolutely that was kind of an you know when you're in your 20s you, your friendships are often like you're at you know they were kind of my identity like they were we were a bit of a yeah. pack off. <laughs> um, we all, you know, went to art school together and we were um, really close. And I moved back home the day after my dad's funeral. So that's what I kind of mean by a bit of a whirlwind, really. I like the funeral happened and rather than, you know, having some time to like reflect, me and Rory got a van and we went down to London. We packed up our flat and moved back up the next day. And then, and I just left that life behind. And like, it was just really like, um yeah full on really and I remember like um yeah just kind of went into this new life of like grieving and being like I'm doing this now and I'm coming coming home and I'm like settling down almost I'm like you know we've got a little house in this um we were like renting this little house in this beautiful little village where 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 I sort of grew up and and it was just like I jumped out of one life into another and and then eight months later I got pregnant and it and what an it absolute like identity whirlwind going yeah, on absolutely so yeah crazy yeah and it wasn't like it wasn't like we planned to get pregnant but at the same time like we didn't not we didn't say that it wasn't you know it was something that both of us kind of spoke about in kind of a jerky way um yeah and, and it was you know I'm, I'm really lucky um with Rory because he he is just, he, I don't know, he, I feel like he, we're, we're really sort of in tune with what we want. And like he, he's just being sort of an absolute rock, but also like 
been up for everything really and just been like whatever whatever we want to do it'll be fine you know whatever and I remember finding out I was pregnant and and crying <laughs> sorry Lyra <laughs> crying because I was so scared and I was also like you know I was, gr- I was grieving and I was like I was I, I was just like what what are we doing this is crazy and um I remember like Rory just being like look it's totally fine. Everything will be fine. Let's just, you know, we got to go for it. Come on. And like, I was like, right, okay. And then, and and to be honest, like, um, she's she's an absolute dream. And like, we, she's been Aww. like a little ball of light in like all of, like the difficultness of everything. And like, I think one of the things that I did really struggle with at the time, and like, it's sort of strange thinking about it now um especially in the current like situation of lockdown and stuff because weirdly I feel more connected with a lot of my friends than I have done in a while because we're zooming all the time and we're like talking on the phone and, yeah like, every, it, it kind of feels like everybody's got a baby like it's that because when Aww. you've got a kid you can't like go out in the same way you can't like so like my your, your life transforms and it kind of it's something very similar in this time it feels like everybody's got a newborn (laughs) and it's like and weirdly like people are around more and but like at the time when I when I was sort of going through like that early stages of that first year of dad dying and then like obviously getting pregnant like I remember like my friends kind of really they were all really excited about the fact I was pregnant um Mm. and I think like it really I found it found that obviously really lovely but it also it felt a little bit like people can talk to me about that because that's a really nice thing yeah um yeah and that was that was strange and like you know I did struggle a lot in the in the first you know before I found out I was pregnant before I was pregnant I you know that sort of group that identity thing and that group of girls who I still love and I'm still really in touch with them were coming sort of back around a little bit like um it was hard because you know I, I I'd now moved home and I I've got a couple of absolute best friends at home so I'm really lucky and they are they have been absolutely there to be honest and they haven't oh, lost par- they haven't lost parents but they've been there but like in terms and like you know up for like listening to the to this the story and the hard stuff and they knew my dad and they get it in a way they don't get it but they they really try yeah, to they be can sympathize through yeah. empathy yeah I think one of the really hard things was and like you know for anyone that's going through this I think it's like I remember like going back down to London like after my dad died and being like you know trying to be normal with the with that same group and trying to but finding it really difficult because like no you know people would reach out for me in like in text or they'd give me a, a quick ring or something but no one would bring it up and that's that's not because people are not none of them were being you know and some of them did but like you know there was there was odd people that I thought would be there that weren't and I think that that's Mm. not because they that's not because they didn't care it was because they didn't know how and I think that you know I only know how I only know what I know because I've been through this and like I'm sure that if yeah if it was the shoe was on the other foot I might have been exactly the same I don't know but I think like 
I remember feeling really distant from certain people and really, really feeling very, very angry about that for quite a long time. And I feel like mm. as time's gone on and then I had Lyra and, and even more so like, I was then feeling like, well, you know, now I'm at home and I've got a baby and I can't go, you know, I wasn't getting invited out to the pub in the same way or like, you know, my, my life, it, it's so strange. Like you, you can't do that stuff, but you still want to be included in that stuff, but you, you can't be. And actually like, um, it's quite lonely. And I remember feeling very, very lonely for quite a while. Um, Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. I do think that as time goes on, like, you soften a little bit, and, like, with bereavement as well, like, I feel like I don't feel angry towards any of my friends any, anymore. They were all, and thinking about it, they were all brilliant in their own, in, in different ways. Yeah. Like, but it's like at the time, like people can't bring your dad back. Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> and that's what you want. Like, yeah. That's that's the thing that people, like people say to you, is there anything I can do? And you're like, bring my parent back. <laughs> yeah. And you end up feeling angry at people for like saying the wrong thing on maybe not saying anything. And it's like, actually, like, this isn't, I'm not angry. You know, thinking about it now, I wasn't angry at them. I was maybe, you know, maybe I thought oh, at the time, or oh, they weren't there enough. But like, what does that even mean? They were just generally people. Just if they love you, they're like they're just doing their best. And like, and I think I I did, but you know, it doesn't mean that at the time that's not really hard because it's you just you know I've been desperate desperate to reach out and find someone some way of talking about my dad like and I still find that now you know I had a really strange conversation with one of my really good friends the other day where she asked me about um, my mum had found all these clothes of my dad's in a cupboard that she'd not unpacked of all his summer wardrobe and she'd asked me to go to go around and it's really difficult obviously at this time like couldn't really do that I went to the driveway and we sat and we had a cup of tea on the drive um and spoke to her about it but I remember talking to my friend about it afterwards and and she was like and I, I started tell, going into loads of I felt so intense I was being so intense <laughs> and that's the feeling isn't it I feel like you transform and become like a different person when somebody dies and and yeah. I feel like I'm always the intense person at a party waiting for a conversation about death. But <laughs> it's because I'm just, you know what I mean? I, don't know. I just want to talk yeah. about it. No, a hundred percent, definitely. Yeah. I mean, if you think about it, it's as if um, it's as if you getting pregnant or you know, having Lyra, and mm. then people only bringing that up to you once every like six months. 
Mm. Do you know what I mean? Oh, yeah, yeah, like yeah, it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it, it's it's a huge life event. Like it's massive. Mm. Yeah, and I know. It's exactly it's exactly like that. I don't get me wrong. Having a baby and stuff is so much. It's so positive and so lovely, but it still changes your life. So oh, like. Yeah. Imagine somebody just not talking about that. So then, whenever they did, you're literally just want to be like, blah, 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 and just get everything out that you've been like holding in all that time. I mean, I met some, I met, um, I've kind of made a a sort of a recent ish friend, probably a year now actually, but I um, met, um, it's one of my, one of Rory's um, friends, girlfriends, and we went out for a meal and I'd never met her before we got talking and I feel like I do this thing where I like um I like assess assess if anyone's known dad <laughs> it's so funny <laughs> like, it. I, 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 yeah it's like I'm always trying to make a connection always trying to like spark a conversation like see what school they went to and stuff yeah and I, I did that exact thing I asked that question because she was from she was from him because he was a head teacher and she was from Keyflay and turns out he was her head teacher for the whole of her primary school and Oh. I was like oh my god and it, I can't even like and I feel like every time you know I see her I try not to, I, I'm, I'm not I'm, I'm purposely trying not to talk about it because I'm desperate to all the time but I can't be yeah. I can't be our friendship but also like um that's so special to me and like I can't and you know I feel like I, I introduced her to a few people at this at this party for my birthday and and I ended up saying, oh, I felt so bad about it. I ended up being like, oh, you know, my dad was, <laughs> my dad was Hannah's head teacher. And, um, and and then I was thinking, oh, no, this isn't this isn't the only reason why we're friends. I'm sorry. But, like, it's just oh, so... I bet she would never so, have thought that, though. No, and she's great. And she, she's, um, she said, you know, she said, anytime, you know, you want to, anytime you want to chat about him, um, I'm here. Because she, she really, she thought she loved him. She thought he was great. And um oh, so it so does mean nice. a lot but it, it is hard like you you know I've got a couple of like you know very close friends who I do talk to often um when I'm feeling really bad but like you know and they they will list they will listen and listen listen but I still I still feel I still feel bad about it mm. um I think but, uh, like I said before I really don't think that ever changes but I do mm-hmm. think the more that we can bring it up mm-hmm. the more normal it, it will become yeah, I agree. Um, so I think I you know so. one one thing that Sam always says is that if people are talking about something and it relates to your dad, so if your dad mm. was alive, you would have told that story because it's mm. a story because it's about you know the the topic that's been talked about. Then tell the story. Like, yeah, why yeah. should you not <clears throat> speak about him and laugh about mm. memories of him and enjoy those memories just because mm. he's not here anymore? Mm. Yeah, I think that's really, really great and right. I feel like maybe you just have to force that stuff rather than like it becoming more comfortable. I don't know. I think I like think the more first, you do it, I yeah. suppose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I'm I, I'm quite forceful sometimes now with talking about it, but more because mm. I want people to realise that. Obviously, from doing this podcast and stuff, I'm not I wouldn't say I'm like that all the time. But with people that I'm close with, I will try and bring my mum up if it obviously fits in conversation I wouldn't just be like oh my mum like out of the blue for no reason yeah Um, yeah yeah yeah, yeah. but I just think it's important that people know that just because your parent has died doesn't mean that they don't exist anymore because that's Mm -hmm. like our biggest fear like when your parent dies it's so hard to remember certain things about them anymore and 
mm. you know you don't want them, you don't want it to become like they never existed that's no, like the yeah, worst thing it's yeah that's, yeah that's so right it's that's you need we, we we need to keep these things alive don't we and you know mm. yeah i yeah it's 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 a tricky one but i think i think you know that's why i really wanted to come on this podcast and because um I just, you know, when you just, mm. you just, I, I want to, um, to speak about him and, and tell, tell like our story and like my, me and my sisters and, and then my mum and I've just, I think as well with having a baby, like I really struggle to like find time for like grief and I feel like I'm, gr- I'm grieving all, all the time. You know, my dad comes into my, he's, he's in my head all the time, but like, and that, um, but finding the space to be like to clock into it and be like, you know, like that—that's quite hard. With a, you know, Lyra's nearly two, and um, she's she's quite, you know, she's quite full on, and she needs she needs a lot of like um, a lot of space really, and it's it's super tough to find you know to find that space for me. Oh, for yeah, me, for me. I bet. I bet. Mm. I mean. I need that myself. I don't even have a child, but like mm. I find just having space for myself to deal with my own grief is like impossible to find. So yeah, I can yeah. only imagine how difficult it is for you to process that kind of thing whilst being a parent. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think for I think it, part of it is like maybe a coping thing as well. I don't know if you find this, but like I think like you know keeping yourself busy and like is is a is a way of sort of dealing with stuff and. Um, and I mean, Lyra sort of came around at a time that, you know, then I'll, I was focused on being pregnant, you know, when, when I got pregnant with her, it was like, oh, so this is happening. And, you know, I've, I've never had a Christmas, even though the first Christmas without dad, I was pregnant. So it was like, it wasn't, you know, people built, you know, say, oh, <clears throat> the third, you know, first, second Christmases without your parent are really tough. And it really was really tough, but also like, I also felt like I should be really happy because I was pregnant and it was really strange. So I was like, and then, you know, the second Christmas she was here and she's, you know, a couple of months old and like, um, and I sort of it's feel all about like, her, I bet then. Yeah, yeah, all about her. And, um, you know, I remember one of my really, really strong memories of like having Lyra and sort of the grief um, being sort of connected um I remember we went on a family holiday like um two weeks she was two weeks old I had Lyra and I was breastfeeding and I was upstairs on the bed I heard a bottle of Prosecco be opened downstairs um and I just burst out crying because I I just I couldn't cope with it I was just like why isn't he here and what is going on and I just felt so bizarre and it wasn't anything you know I was I was so in love with this baby and I was really lucky I didn't I didn't suffer with any you know and a lot a lot of people it's it is really hard those first few weeks and I think um and it is hard generally having a kid like it's amazing as well but it is hard and um but I remember like feeling in that moment just like so devastated and like it was really strange because I had this little child like (laughs) this tiny person like breastfeeding on me and like and I was just crying my eyes out because I just I couldn't cope with this fact that there was like a celebration going on downstairs and Mm. and then I remember like and um you know I remember my partner's mum coming upstairs and um she was super lovely it shows that disconnect in a sense like I remember her 
seeing me cry and saying, and I said, I'm just really missing my dad. And I remember her saying, like, you, you, prob- you know, you're probably just really hormonal. And I remember, like, that, like, kills me. Yeah, yeah. But, like, um, but she she didn't, you know, that's, that's another example of, like, nobody does nobody says anything in like um a me um in a way to be you know it's it's all about like not knowing what to say and and wanting to make it okay and that's what's the hard thing with grief isn't it is like people can't make it okay so like there wasn't really anything she could have said there that would have been okay but it was like yeah yeah it was I remember just being like right and finding that really difficult but um that is just that is just part of you know losing a parent in your 20s really that people don't say the right thing often and I'm sure that happens with all kinds of different loss um but like it sometimes feels like a little bit of a bit of a minefield really at first I think oh god 100% just definitely feel like, let's just not let's just not bring it up because it, yeah yeah <laughs> let's avoid any of those grief bombs and just not yeah, bring up totally, again. <laughs> totally. did you ever do the thing of like um when your mum died did you ever talk about her like inappropriately like to strangers or to like in in a, somewhere that wasn't like a safe space because you I don't know you just needed to get it out I don't know if you relate to that um well I was at uni at the time so I did a lot of drunk crying right yeah 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 so, so you, you, I get that you I did a them. lot of that <laughs> I did a lot of the drunk crying yeah, yeah, totally. yeah. So, well, that... to, to, to strangers and toilet cubicles, like my mom died, and I just oh, know yeah. what to do. Yeah. <laughs> that is like such a classic, like that first, like reintroducing alcohol after a parent dies oh. is, is a challenge, isn't it? I still, oh, yeah. I, yeah, I feel like three years on, and I'm just getting to a point of being able to stop. But I still talk as soon as I have too many, I'm talking about my dad. In, but maybe that's fine. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it is what it is. I'm that person, you know, like at a wedding or anything like that, that mm. ends up having too much to drink and sits and talks about death and my mum to like the older generation. So it's like the oh, people in their yeah. 50s and 60s that to get their so like wise words. <laughs> I would be there as well. <laughs> it, it, it's tragic. Like everybody else is dancing and I'm there like crying. Like <laughs> I love that. I love that. This is me now. This is my personality. Like I, I used to be fun, yeah. and now I just yeah. like <laughs> I'm just so serious. I'm like I'm not, but I also am. Like as soon as I I'm, am, well. yeah. And it, I think like I, that's how I feel. Like, and I'm sure like if I said, I don't, it's probably the same for you. I don't know, but I'm sure like you said to your friends, like I'm just so serious, and like they'd be like, no, no. But I do feel like well, I, I'm like I, I feel like I'm, I'm fun. Yeah, well, no, you do. Oh my god, you massively change. And like, mm. I was actually just gonna, gonna ask you now: Is it like, do you think that it's changed the way that you go about your life and your attitude towards it? Because I think, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. It, it does change you completely. And like you said, like you said, like pre your dad dying, you were like carefree in London, like with your girlfriends, and you know, life was probably a lot mm. more like carefree than it was now. Obviously, with oh, the addition yeah, totally. of Lyra, but even without her mm. like I think everything would have changed 
Yeah, yeah, totally. Well, I think, I think like you, you just, I don't know. It's it's just it's just life changing, isn't it? And like actually, like you, like I feel like even from when I was living in London and my dad was like terminally ill, like and I was really busy with work and I was I was super stressed out. When I think about it, um, I was not in a good place at all. But at the time, I wasn't thinking. I was I was just get I was just keeping myself focused and like not you know not going there really but I still like you know I just I don't sometimes and this sounds so depressing but sometimes I don't remember the feeling of feeling light and like like I think that there's like something in like um you know I know that I I used to be a like and maybe this could just be an age thing anyway but like I don't think it is (laughs) I think that like um, I just not been through anything really, and like I use, you know, I, I, and that that feeling of like total happiness and lightness that I used to have, like often, and I, and I think like now I do, you know, I'm not saying that I'm not a happy person, like I am, and like I'm I'm content person, but like I like I don't really feel, um, I don't get that like free feeling that you get. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe when you're younger or like you know before this happened like that feeling of like freedom and like being relaxed because everything that I feel when I feel happy about something and like really I get that feeling it's accompanied by a sadness Sometimes. of like yeah yeah and then the two of them go hand in hand and like I don't I don't hate that about my new life I just yeah, it's just something that's with me and that's just part of who I am and I, I sometimes worry that maybe my friends grieve the old me um but also um there's 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 not a lot that can be done about that and this is this is who I am and um I'm just doing my best I think a lot of like grieving people could completely you know appreciate what you're saying there as well like, I, I know for a fact I can like every happy moment now for me is accompanied with sadness and mm. I'm definitely not as fun probably as I used to be because I know how sad I can feel and how bad life can be and Mm. for me as well like I very much like routine and my own space and structure Mm. and I feel like you can't like beforehand I wasn't like that and I'd be so quick to like yeah it's gonna night out let's go wild and now I'm just like no (laughs) no thank you yeah yeah you see I think like because I obviously was pregnant and then I had Lyra like so soon after, it's really strange to like separate. It's you know what my life, what I would have been like, um, because obviously I can't really. My life has completely changed in that way as well. But it's like, you know, I look at you know my sisters, um, and you know I was talking to uh, one of my sisters yesterday, and she was saying, you know, she's actually had it said to her by her friends that she's changed. And that's so difficult. And like, you know, like in, in a negative way, like, you know, like when they've, they've had some sort of argument or something like, you know, like, yeah, you've changed. And I think like, like that's our biggest, that's, <laughs> that's a scary thing, like to be told and to, for people to think, you know, you, you don't want to feel like your friends think that of you, but also yeah. like, that is that is not that is it's true yeah because yeah. it's um it's such a huge thing like we've already been through a trauma like um and I you know I think I've been to some sort of 
counselling at Manorlands and through crews like since my dad died and like I've been unpicking like the dying process and witnessing that and like yeah like see like you know I was there when he died and like mm-hmm. um, and that's been something that's taken like like and it still is I'm, I've not been able to access any good memories really and when people have tried to talk to me about yeah. my dad I've not been able to talk about anything good because I've been hung up on that moment yeah. and it's that time that week in that hospice and the run-up to it and I think like over time I think hopefully I will be able to talk about and it's I feel like it's getting there a little bit but I will be able to sort of say you know oh like my dad would love that and like talk about him in like a really happy and like like a, a happy memory sort of way rather than like um a, a, this is this is this has been a trauma and I can't you know you need yeah. to know how bad this was because I'm scared but um, yeah no I am um, I, I get that because I, I I was the same for years after my mum died every time I closed my eyes all I could see was her like her dead because yeah. they, oh that God, was like yeah. the most traumatic thing and mm-hmm. it has taken a really long time for me to be like for me to acknowledge really happy situations that my mum would have loved and to be able to acknowledge that without crying but at the same time those moments of her final like days and her final moments really haunt me like they mm-hmm. really do and I think I think that is now? something yeah not obviously mm-hmm. not as much um yeah, yeah, yeah. You, it's like at night if I'm yeah, if I'm yeah. thinking about her, those memories will come up first, mm, yeah, um, yeah. at the forefront of my memory. I, f- I I do find happier memories really hard to tap into. Yeah, like the yeah. memories are so much easier to access. Um, I'm hoping that you know time will be the biggest healer, and I think it will yeah. be for everyone. Yeah. Um, it is yeah. just you know it's hard. Yeah, that's so it. It's so interesting actually to like hear you say that because like I'm exactly the same and like. I think I think actually like this it, it is it is like it is a I think it is a trauma um and I think there's it is. you know it's it's you know I I'm the same like I I picture my dad's face when he was dead all the time and it's like what am I doing mm. but I can't help it and it's like and it's it's really it's a strange one because actually he wasn't there for that bit so I'm not like doing him any yeah. justice yeah, there any know, like, I'm like, yeah it's like actually I remember my sister like saying something really amazing to me and it really helped I was we were talking about all of this um and I was saying that you know I was struggling to talk you know talk share like nice um you know memories and I wasn't really being able to access those um, and she said that she'd been to a bereavement group and she, yeah, she lives in London. So there's a few, and um, mm. she was like, she'd been to like a, a youth, like a young person's bereavement group. And, um, and this, this girl was talking about a mum and was just talking about a mum's death and, um, and just sort of getting really hung up on, on the, the moment that she died. And, and she said that she, she felt like when she was listening to it as um like you know why are you why are you hung up on that moment when um you know that your mum wasn't there for that part and like you know that your mum's memory um you know 
think you know surely there's lots of memories there that I, that your mum was there for and that that's a you know tapping into those would help and she could mm. see that from someone else listening to somebody else um but we both we both do that and it's like and that but that was really helpful to me because I was like well oh yeah like actually like those last few days in that hospice um I don't know what my dad could hear or I don't know you know the trauma that I am hung up on that is stopping me from thinking about the good stuff he would be devastated if he knew that that's what all I, all I was thinking about. It's something that I think will maybe come over time when you can kind of and yeah, talking it talking it through. Yeah, definitely. I definitely think that. Mm. If you don't mind, I was just going to wrap this up now with our kind yeah, of final yeah. question. Yeah, which is, what would you say to somebody else now who has perhaps had a similar loss to you and maybe even you know, is expecting to become a parent or has recently become a parent and they're, mm. you know, still very much in the early stages of grief? I think I'd say don't feel guilt. Make, try and make some time for yourself, but also don't feel guilty if you don't have, have the time sometimes because the grief will come out when it comes out and, like, it's nothing worse than trying to, you know, feeling guilty over the fact that you're not, you're not accent, you know, you know, you're not feeling, feeling it all the time, or you're not like, um, making time for that. So like, you know, when you, when you, when you do feel like you're in the grief, um, and it's really heavy, like I had a couple of weeks, I had a, a couple of days last week where I was really struggling and, um, and it was like, I knew that those, I, I, I actually, appreciated that that moment those sort of few days really I've been in it really heavily even though it was really hard and like horrible in lots of ways like it was just like well yeah obviously you know I need to feel this because this is this is love this is how much he means to me and Mm. and my life is so busy and like when you've got a kid it is crazy and you know just don't put any pressure on yourself to grieve in a certain way because it will happen when it happens and um, it has got to come out somehow. One of the most beautiful things that somebody said to me was that, like, you know, grief and love are very similar and actually are the same, really. And actually when you're feeling really shocking and you, you, you can't, you know, you're feeling really, de- you know, depressed or sad and you're just missing them so much, like, to remember that that is love and that's because you yeah. you you love that person so much um and that's why it's so hard and that's that's been something that's been quite helpful to me because sometimes I want to run away from that feeling but actually if you think about it as love then it's easier to sit in um but yeah that's it really yeah <laughs> no that's no that's that's so lovely and such nice like advice for somebody you know i think i find your situation must must have been so difficult just because of the huge like identity changes more than anything Mm, um yeah yeah. I think that must have been really hard like navigating your friendships and becoming a mom and missing your dad and literally I can't even begin to imagine like (laughs) how difficult that must have been for you so I think that you're here and you're sat there and you've told your story to me I think you know that's probably speaks volumes in Mm. how far you've come in your own like grief journey yeah 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 thank you 
and yeah yeah we're all just dying to talk about it aren't we <laughs> <Literally>. <laughs> yeah this is it we, totally. we all just like need to like wear t-shirts actually you know what I think I might actually get these t-shirts commissioned that it should just say ask me about my dead parent I think I might do it and start oh my song. god that would be so great <laughs> <laughs> I think that's had a brainwave I might start doing that well um, Emma thank you so much for coming on and for you know, sharing your story I really appreciate it thank you it's been really lovely um, yeah thanks for the opportunity to talk about it thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the Dead Parent Club podcast I so hope that you've enjoyed it and you found some comfort in the stories that you've heard here today as always I would just like to remind you that neither myself nor any of the guests that come onto the show are healthcare professionals Therefore, if you do find yourself struggling with your grief, I highly recommend that you seek out professional help, whether that be from your GP or from the numerous charities out there that are available to you. Please also remember that you can reach out to us at any time on Instagram at DPC Podcast, on Facebook at The Dead Parent Club, and you can email us at dpcpodcast at hotmail.com. Alternatively, you can check out our website where a resources page is also available at www.dpcpodcast.co.uk. Also, please don't hesitate to contact me if you want to get involved in the podcast in any way, whether that be coming onto the show or to write a blog for us as well if coming onto a podcast isn't your thing. Thank you so much once again for listening and we'll see you next week. the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTER Exclusions apply. See site for details.